This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about the second half of Acts 21 all the way through a part of 23. Let's take a closer look. So last time we saw Paul have an encounter with the elders in Jerusalem. And the story unfolds from there that Paul is in the temple in Jerusalem and he gets arrested. And it's the Jews that are doing it. This is the church. These are the, you know, the religious folk. And it says that In verse 31, it says that they are trying to kill him. And in this, uh, the ruckus reaches the tribune, the tribunal, which is a Roman governance. And so the entire thing plays out with similar politics to the trial and crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah. Because you've got the Sanhedrin, the church, the religious folks, and then you've got um, the Romans that actually crucify him, right? So you've got these two things working together. There's politics that are at play here in the same way. And so the Romans come around um, and arrest him. And... Paul does something very interesting. Verse 37, 2137 says, Just as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? The tribune replied, Do you know Greek? Then you are not the Egyptian who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of an important city. I beg you, let me speak to the people. So, when Paul gets into Roman authority, Paul slightly veils who he is. He doesn't identify that he is a citizen of Rome. He says, I'm a citizen of an important city. He speaks Greek to them to let them know that he's educated. They clearly reveal that they think he's an Egyptian. So they have no idea what the heck's going on. Um, and so they end up letting Paul speak. And the text goes on to say that he addressed them in the Hebrew language. And what you got to understand is the Hebrew language at this point becomes a sacred language. It's a religious language. Nobody's speaking Hebrew as they're walking around. Yeah. Like, no, it is true. a religious language. Yeah, yeah, And if anyone is speaking anything other than Greek, it's Aramaic. Right. Um, we have some Bible passages 
recorded where Jesus speaks Aramaic. Mm -hmm. um, so, for Paul to speak Greek and then to address them in Hebrew, Paul is revealing identity in both places. Right. And he says, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in uh, Cilicia. And so as he speaks to them in his Hebrew language, this is what he says. Picking up in verse 2. When they heard him addressing them in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. So now he's back to addressing the religious folk in the temple. Mm -hmm. Then he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison as the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. So he starts to list his accolades, what he's done, and the way in which he's been a faithful Jew, identified and connected to this community. And then he goes on to tell his conversion story. And that conversion story, as we saw in chapter 9, marks some kind of shift in Paul. He now begins to see Judaism differently. Jesus becomes the fulfillment of Judaism. And so if you notice, anytime he goes around throughout the book of Acts, even though God told him he was going to be God's instrument to the Gentiles, Paul always goes looking for the Jews. Right. That's because yeah. these are his people. Right. And so then he tells of his conversion. Then he tells how the church sent him out to the Gentiles after he'd come back to Jerusalem. And then in verse 22, this is what the text says. Chapter 22, verse 22. Up to this point, they listened to him, but then they shouted, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. While they were shouting, throwing off their cloaks, and tossing dust into the air, the tribune directed that he was to be brought into the barracks and ordered him to be examined by flogging to find out the reason for this outcry against him. So they're going to flog him for information. They're going to beat him for information. Verse 25. And this is the Romans now. They, the Romans are interceding because they think the Jews are about to kill him. They can't understand, figure out what's going on. So they decide they're going to flog him to find out the reason for why everybody's upset with him. Verse 25. But when they had tied him up with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who is uncondemned? Mm. Okay, so remember, Paul dropped twice. He was a citizen of an important city, once to the tribune and once to the Jews when he spoke to them in Hebrew. Yeah. Dropped twice, he's a member a citizen of an important city. He lets everything unfold. Now remember, these are the people that Paul thinks he's a part of. He always identifies first himself as a Jew. 
the temple people, the religious folk, that's his community. That's who he first wants to be identified with. That's why he doesn't reveal that he's a Roman citizen right away. Because then the Romans would take over. So Paul waits and holds it all the way up until something unjust is about to happen. And unfortunately, it's about to be unjust at the hands of the Romans. Because it is unjust what's happening at the hands of the church or of the temple. And so Paul says, is it lawful for you to do this to a Roman citizen who hasn't been condemned? Paul asks a question. I want you to see how the centurion responds. Now, remember, what's a centurion? A leader. A soldier. Yeah, a a soldier soldier that is, yeah. When the centurion heard that, he went to the tribune. Who, what's the tribune? A governmental ordinance. Yeah, it's a government official. So the centurion, a soldier... Heard that, and he went to the tribune, a government official, and said to him, what are you about to do? This man is a Roman citizen. The tribune came and asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He said, yes. The tribune answered, it cost me a large sum of money to get my citizenship. Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Hmm. Immediately, those who were about to examine him drew back from him, and the tribune also was afraid for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and they had bound him. Romans took care of their own. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're seeing is a very stark contrast because Paul also told the temple community that he was born a Jew. He's not a God fear, he's not a convert. He was born into this community. Paul will tell us in Philippians 3 that he is a Pharisee of Pharisees from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul can trace his lineage. Paul is a faithful Jew born into this community, into this citizenship. And yet also he's born into a Roman citizenship. And the Roman citizenship means more to the Romans than the temple citizenship means to the Jews. You see it? Mm -hmm. The way it's unfolding? And so they back off. Verse 30. Since he wanted to find out what Paul was being accused of by the Jews, the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and the entire council to meet. He brought Paul down and had him stand before them. Okay. So once again, the Romans are now going, we don't know what the heck's going on. We got to get some answers. So we're going to get Paul to have a conversation with the council because he clearly speaks Hebrew. He's clearly a Jew. Like, we're going to let them talk. We're going to figure this stuff out. I want you to see what Paul has to do in his own community, in his own place where he's supposed to feel most confident as a citizen, as a worker of God. Paul will, in Philippians, say that he... Uh, that his citizenship is in heaven. He clearly identifies his citizenship more with the church and the spiritual realm than he does with the Roman realm, with the political realm. This is what the text says. Verse 23, 1. While Paul was looking attentively at the council, he said, Brothers, 
Up to this day, I have lived my life with a clear conscience before God. Then the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near him to strike him on the mouth. At this, Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting there to judge me according to the law? And yet in, excuse me, and yet in violation of the law, you order me to be struck? I want you to see the contrast. Paul asked the centurion one question. Is it lawful for you to flog me if you haven't condemned me if I'm a Roman citizen? They responded with the utmost, making sure they took care of their own. Paul is now brought back to them as a Jew and begins to speak. And the first thing they want to do is break the law. Exert power in order to punish him when he has not done anything wrong. Luke is setting this up for you to see the way in which these two powers are at play. Now, I'm setting this up for you because I know the end of the story. The end of the story of the book of Acts ends with Paul in Rome. And that matters as this progresses. But you're seeing... That empire has now taken over the temple. Yeah. The temple is manifesting as empire and abusing power and doing all the things they should not be doing. And Luke is using the Roman Empire to show you what a good citizenship should look like. Watch. Picking up verse 4. Those standing near said, do you dare to insult God's high priest? Paul said, I didn't realize, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a leader of your people. Paul acknowledges his mistake and quotes them scripture. Paul begins to speak their language, showing that he's one of them. Verse 6. When Paul notices that some were Sadducees and others were Pharisees, he called out in the council. Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dissension began between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection or angel or spirit, but Pharisees acknowledge all three. Now, what, what was Paul before when he was a Jew? He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. So it was pretty easy for him to get to resurrection. Yeah. Not so easy for Pharisee, for Sadducees to get to resurrection. Yeah. And so Paul notices this. Paul has to outsmart the room here. Because Paul yeah. knows that they are trying to kill him. Don't forget, yeah. that's what the text said in the beginning. They are trying to kill him. And so Paul sets him up. Verse 9. Then a great clamor arose, and certain scribes of the Pharisees' group stood up and contended, We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? Verse 10. When the dissension became violent, mm. these are the religious folk, the religious leaders. Yeah. And a conversation over their theology became violent. Yeah. It's rough. 
when the dissension became violent, the tribune, fearing that they would tear Paul to pieces, ordered the soldiers to go down, take him by force, and bring him into the barracks. So who's the... Where, where is it beneficial to be a citizen in this situation? Not with the religious folk. No. This is the kicker. Verse 11. That night, the Lord stood near him and said, Keep up your courage, for just as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must bear witness also in Rome. The story of Acts ends with Paul in Rome. And how Acts ends, I'm going to read you the very last verse of Acts. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance you see a big shift here that verse 11 23 11 is a capstone a capstone voice capstone uh, verse you don't see God messing with Jews that much anymore. It's all about the Romans. It's almost as if God knew that it was going to play out this way and said, look, these people can't even take care of their own anymore. I've now made this universal. I'm going to go to everyone. And the story unfolds. We've seen a massive progression out of Judaism and into Gentile life and experiences throughout the book of Acts. We see that shift get turned to the max right here. And it's over the question of citizenship. Paul refused to give his citizenship in the beginning because he wanted to be with the Jews. He wanted to be with the Hebrew people. He wanted to be with his people. And his people screwed him over. His people used power and corruption. And so he invoked his citizenship in the political system in order to save him from his own people. And I think Luke is setting that up for you because Luke is trying to get you to turn, turn your mind away that this is something new. This is no longer Judaism. Only because Judaism didn't receive it only because Judaism didn't make space for it. And I fear that many Christians today have it backwards. Hmm. We saw Paul fight to maintain his spiritual identity. Yeah. And invoked his political identity when he had to. Yeah. And I think we see Christians today do the opposite. invoke their political identity at the expense of their spiritual citizenship. It is G uh, <laughs> Paul is doing the thing that Jesus was 
was doing flipping the power structure um and paul is denying nationalism in this way um i identify with these people who are using power and corruption so now i'm going to do everything opposite and i'm going to identify to everything opposite of who they are yeah um And that is where Christians today, I think, really fall. Christian nationalism is becoming a huge problem. And it, Christian nationalism is politics before Jesus. That's absolutely what it is. We define Jesus through our politics. And that's just not okay. Yeah, I think... I think the point I'm trying to make is what I think we should learn from Paul is that Paul's first identity was a Jew. Mm. Paul's first identity was to his spiritual commitment. And then Paul's second identity was to his political alignment. Yeah. That he was a Roman citizen. Paul has said in Philippians 3, the He's a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. His citizenship is in heaven. And so Paul didn't even really value his Roman citizenship. And yet, I think of a Christian, a contemporary Christian, we're faced with the same thing. They would first identify as an American and then as a Christian. I think that's what we see every day. Every day. I saw an article today. Somebody sent me an article today um, about why Christians should be against debt forgiveness, loan forgiveness, because Biden forgave student loans. Um, That's the dumbest, most cherry-picked thing I've ever read in my life. Because not once did it talk about the year of Jubilee. Not mm. once did it talk about mm. how there were systems of debt mm. forgiveness for liberation. Yeah. Not once. Yeah. And then they had the audacity to say that it's not fair because it's not equal. Mm-hmm. That not everyone that uh, has debt gets it forgiven at the same rate or gets it forgiven at all. Because if you make $125,000 or more, you didn't get debt forgiveness. And they said that was wrong because it wasn't equal. It didn't have equality. Where's the conversation about equity? Yeah, facts. See, it was cherry-picked. I think people choose their politics over their faith. Whereas Paul has modeled for us that the way to do this is to choose your faith over your politics until your faith becomes corrupt.